many of us this morning woke up and declared in their heart that today I will give God my praise with everything that I am, with everything that I have. I will give him my best worship today because he is worthy. Somebody say, with everything. With everything we will worship you, Lord Jesus. With everything, every aspect of our life. With everything that we own. All of our desires. All of our aspirations, Lord. We will worship you. church that you want us to be, not the church that we want to be. Oh 
Do you love him this morning? I said, do you love him this morning?
It's so easy to say that we're followers of Christ. And yet sometimes we still carry stuff with us that he's asked us to put down. And all the while, he just wants to make our burden lighter. He wants us to put the suitcases down of our old habits, our old behaviors, our old lifestyles, old thoughts that held us down. He just wants us to put it down and follow him. So he's, it's much easier to keep up with him that way. It's so easy to just say, yes, Lord, I'm all yours, but let me hold on to this. And oh yeah, this is, this is kind of important.
to God in the highest. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Praise 
1 Corinthians 11.23 Paul had received the revelation of the Lord's Supper even though he wasn't present in that, in that original time when the Lord Jesus sat down with the disciples but he received it by revelation and Paul was a very unique individual because even though he wasn't one of the 12 original apostles 
Yet you can see the grace of God on individuals, right? He was a persecutor of the church. He wasn't, and he didn't walk with Jesus for three and a half years. In actuality, he was fighting against Jesus. He was fighting against anything Christianity, anything gospel. He was fighting against it. And yet God selects him. And God gives him the revelation of the Lord's Supper. And he said uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, 23, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. So then God used them not only to receive revelation of God, but also to deliver it to much of the church. And even 2,000 years later, we're still receiving from Paul, from the revelations that God gave Paul. And that gives us hope. You know why? He was a mess. He was educated. He was supposedly a religious leader. He had studied under the greatest of teachers, yet he didn't know Jesus. And on the way to go persecute people, the Spirit of God and the power of God knocks him off the horse, blinds him physically, and tells him, why are you fighting against me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Meanwhile, this was a guy that knew the word of God, but he didn't know the God of the word. Isn't that interesting? And so God raises him up. He says, no, you're going to share that which I'll give to you, and you're going to write about it, and you're going to decree it, and you're going to declare it, you're going to teach the church. And when, when they first saw Paul, they saw him as Saul of Tarsus, the church. The leaders were afraid of him. Have you ever been with somebody that just got saved? You look at them, you're afraid of them? Because <laughs> you, you can see they still have so, so much of the world on them, right? But yet, this man, God used them. So that means if God used him, he could use me. If God used him, he could use you. Say to your neighbor, if God used him, he could use you too. So it's not about how, much, how great we are. It's about the grace of God. And when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we remember these things. It's not about our pride, our arrogance. It's not about how big and bad we are. It's about how good God is to us. What he did on the cross. Everybody has the elements? Not yet? So let me read it and then we'll, we'll take the, the Lord's Supper. It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. So the Lord Jesus Christ was the one that established this, that we were to remember. Why is it so important that we remember? It's a question. Why is it so important that we remember? I, I, I can't listen to all of you. You're all talking at the same time. And that's a question. Why is it that we, we should remember? Absolutely. Keeps us sensitive because we have a tendency to forget. Why, why else? Hmm? It keeps us grateful. Absolutely. One of the reasons why we rehearse God's word, we study God's word every day and, and we meditate on it is because it keeps us sensitive and it keeps us grateful. Because we remember it. Otherwise, there's so much information overload that's coming to us each and every day that if we're not careful, we'll forget God's goodness. 
There are many today saying, ah, what word of God? And meanwhile, when they were kids, they were raised in the church because they forgot. They allowed other things to come in. And today they're antagonistic against the word of God. Uh, yesterday uh, I had an opportunity. Somebody wrote a little blurb on one of my videos in YouTube. And it was decidedly nasty. And so I'm going to respond to the person. I'm going to respond to him with the word of God so he could remember the word. Because yeah, he called me a genius and he says, you know, what, what do you think? I, I was talking about time, the importance of time. I would figure that everybody would understand that. That if you take advantage of your time, you'll do more. But yet, this man has so, gotten so far away from God's word that he actually criticized that. And asked me what type of God do I serve and all that other stuff. I'm going to give him the word. Instead of getting into one of these fisticuffs, these virtual fisticuffs, no, I'm going to give him the word. Remember the word. Hallelujah. So let's remember today. Take him. Break the bread. That was the body of the Lord Jesus Christ that was broken for you and for me. Take and eat. Hallelujah. Take a moment and thank him. Take a moment and remember. Take a moment and be grateful. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you that your body was broken for us. Thank you that you did this because of your love. It was not because we were so great and doing tremendous things and we deserved it. No, no, no. It was by your goodness. So today we worship you. We glorify you. Lord Jesus, we remember. We will not forget. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. Any honor we would receive, we lay it at your feet. Any victory we have, it's your victory, Lord God. Any goodness we experience in life, Father, we owe it to you. We thank you. Thank you. Thank you, because we could have all perished. But you died on that cross, even in the Garden of Gethsemane. When momentarily in your flesh, you even said, can this cup pass over me? It was a cup so insidious, so profound, so troubling, but yet you, you stayed the course and you went on, on the cross. Your body was broken for us. Lord, we saw the stripes on your back, Lord God, as we read your word, we saw it in our mind's eye. When they put that crown of thorns on your forehead, how it broke your skin and you begin to bleed. When they ripped the beard off your face, yet you stayed the course. When they whipped you 39 times with the cat of nine tails and ripped the flesh from your back, you stayed the course. When they buffeted you in the face, when they pummeled you, you stayed the course. When you walked the Via Dolorosa with that cross on your back, that piece of wood, that heavy piece of wood, when you had no longer any energy, you had been awake all night long, you had been in the Sanhedrin, and they had grilled you all day long, you stayed the course. And when they put you on that cross, and they nailed those huge spikes in your hands and your feet, you still stayed the course. Even with those next to you who were worthy of death, who had committed the crimes, one even asked you, said, will you remember me when you come to your glory? You said, today you will be with me in paradise. You stayed the course, Lord. And you loved us when we were unlovable. And you cared for us when many of us don't care for each other. Father, thank you. We remember. We will not forget.
We give you the glory, my Lord. We praise you, my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Take and drink of the cup. Thank you, Father, for the blood. For the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, which cleanses us from all sin. Which delivers us from the power of darkness. Which translates us to the, to the kingdom of your dear Son. Thank you for the blood that births us into your family. That grants us the privilege of adoption into your family. Thank you for the blood that gives us authority in the natural and earth realm. Thank you for the blood that gives us the authority to become princes and princesses in the kingdom of God because we're now part of the family. We're children of the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. We're, we're children. So therefore, we're heirs and co-heirs. Father, thank you. And today we worship you. Take some time out just to worship him. Right there, right where you are, just worship him. Hallelujah. We're grateful to you, Lord. We worship you, Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We love you, Lord God. On this beautiful day, Lord God. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and we will be glad in it because you're good. You are forever good. We love you, my Heavenly Father. We praise you. Today we are a grateful people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father for your healing, for your grace, for your provision, for your protection, for direction, Lord God. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord God, for your presence. Today we're grateful. Today our cups overflow. Today, Lord God, we remember. Hallelujah. Come on, give him some praise right where you're at. Give him some praise. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy, worthy, worthy. Hallelujah. 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 You are worthy, Almighty God. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy.
Have your way in us, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 As we get ready to worship him with the tithe and the offering, always remember he is our provider. And always remember that you do with your finance that which your heart honors. So we do that automatically. I don't have to tell you what to do with your money. You're going to do it because it's your priority. If you love restaurants, your money will go to restaurants. If you love movies, your money will go to movies because that's what's in our heart, right? But we who have God in our hearts, where God is the priority, his kingdom is the priority. So we always make sure and making sure that the kingdom of God is continually resourced. So as we worship him with this, we recognize he's a giving God. He's the most giving. He gave at the cross the, the best he had. And today as, as we give this beautiful holiday weekend, Yesterday I went to a park with my grandchildren. Just to get just to get in the park, I had to pay over hundred dollars. Yeah. But for me it was a priority because I wanted to spend some time with my grandchildren. So I took out that hundred and you know, a couple of weeks later I'll, I'll find out where I'm gonna make that up, right? But it's a priority. I didn't think twice of doing that because I wanted to spend that time. See, when it's a priority, you'll do it. I, I learned years ago, um, there was uh, this salesman, he went and he sold this $20 set of utensils. He uh, knocked on the door, the lady said, I can't afford that, it's too much money. He said, all right. He said, and she looked at it, she says, they're cheap anyway. He said, well, I have this one, it costs $100. Do I like those? And she bought the $100 one. You didn't get that one, right? <laughs> she couldn't afford the $10, $20 one, but she bought the $100 one. Because it's, it's never about the money, it's about what's in your heart, what's, what's your priority. She just happened to fancy very, uh, expensive stuff so that's the way we are but when it comes to the kingdom of God there's always a debate there's always a, far, a fight and you'll actually s you'll sense the fight in your heart the minute you're gonna give to the kingdom the enemy will whisper in your ear you see them people that's all they're about and yet that's the greatest of all hypo hypocrisies because everything about everything in life is about that when you go to the corner store and buy milk I mean the hypocrite is asking me for money for milk when I go to a restaurant, I'm going to have a nice meal. What a hypocrite. He's always asking me for money. Think about it. It's all about it. When you're going to buy shoes. Don't you know I need shoes? Just give me the shoes. Yeah, I'll give it to you for $99. Nowadays, it's no longer that. Huh? Just sneakers alone is like $150 to $250. Right? Yeah, yeah it is. It's, sorry, Tony. The $30 Keds, Pro Keds are no longer in existence. <laughs> Yeah. I know, you got children, growing children. Yes, yeah. But you know, we, 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 it's interesting how the debate starts in your heart. And some people actually get offended. They literally feel an offense when that's discussed, when it's broached. Why? Why? Why don't you get offended at the dentist? Why don't you get offended when you buy a car or, you know, you're paying the mother, you know, because you know you have to do it, right? But something happens, the enemy gets in, and it's a subtle seed. You don't even see it, you don't even understand it. You don't even know why you're offended. Because the church in a community is the greatest thing. Amen. We're the ones that uphold the morality factor. We're the ones that pray for community. Uh, the church doesn't do anything. Uh, again, it's a hypocrisy. That's right. You don't understand the hours the church spends praying for community. 
behind the scenes, when you see hurricanes, when you see issues, you should see the church in action. The only thing is you don't see it because the news will not report it. But the truth of the matter is we are the salt, the Bible says, of the earth. We are the light of the world. Salt is amazing. If, if, you, if you're going to... Um, if you're gonna get some meat, put a little salt in it, it'll last a little longer. You know why? It preserves. Church and community preserves the community. Yeah. But yet the enemy would have you think, oh, that's all they want is money. Well, okay, then we should leave the buildings. We should not meet anymore. You know, give it up because we can't afford it, right? Nonsense. The Bible says we need to expand. We need to disciple in Jerusalem, in, Jerusalem, in Judea, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The problem is not the money, it's the fight, so that the message won't get out. But if you understand it, you'll realize when it's time to give, you'll go, I'm gonna give because I know that God has given me the privilege of being an agent, an ambassador, a team member. And I'm gonna make sure how the enemy comes to your ear and say, well, why are you giving them people all they want you? Shut up, get thee behind me. I know exactly what I need to do. You, you understand? But that only happens with people when you discern, discern the importance. Amen? Amen? So let's give, but let's give in a spirit of faith. Don't ever allow the enemy to intimidate you when it comes to what you do in the kingdom of God. And understand, when you feel the offense, it's not your offense. That's coming from the outside trying to impede the effectiveness of a local church. Praise God. So Father, this moment we worship you. We worship you with our mouths, our hearts, with our souls, Lord God. We worship you with the work of our hands. We worship you with our gifts, our talents, and abilities. And this moment, Father, we sow into your kingdom, thanking you because you're the great giver. Lord, even, you even said in Exodus 25, you told Moses, have them bring me an offering. And the offering was specifically for the temple. You said, tell them to bring gold and silver and, and, and animal skins and wood and all that other kind of stuff. And the people got together and they built a tabernacle unto the Lord. And when they built the tabernacle, the presence of God came down upon that place, showing that he was pleased with the work of their hands. And Father, we thank you because you're pretty much the owner of all. We get to steward it while we're here. But the moment we leave and we go to heaven, we don't take any of that with us. It stays in the earth realm for the next generation. So, Father, we thank you that you give us the privilege to steward it in this season, in this time, in this generation. Father, thank you. I pray that you bless your people as they get ready to give. Give us a spirit of generosity for the kingdom of God. Give us, Lord God, a heart and a passion like David for the kingdom of God. We'll give you the glory for it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus, for your amazing grace. We thank you, Lord, that without you, Father, we wouldn't even be here today, God. We are here today no longer living in sin or bound by the grips of sin, but free to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, to lift up our hands and praise his holy name. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands. We're here to praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and open wonder? The King 
Worship experience. Please let us remember to put our mobile phones on silent or vibrate during our silent or vibrate during our service.
everybody doing here? Good, 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 good. Great. Uh, I'm Minister Albany, and for those of you who don't know who I am, um, let's see. Who are our visitors? First, first timers here. Stand up, stand up. My brother, yes. Anyone else? Yes. My sister there. My other brother. Look at that. Oh my God, look at this. Hallelujah. Listen, it starts with uh, visitation. You guys can trip down the mic a bit. Thank you. Beautiful. Ah, uh, you start, look, it starts as a visitation, but remember this, this is a home in the making. All right, guys? Been here 16 years. Wow, that's a long, long time. Let me tell you something. It's like, uh, like I tell Pastor Victor, uh, it's like getting in front of a roller coaster ride. I don't want to get off of it. Um, what I'm going to announce, I'm going to make some announcements. Actually, the, the announcers actually did it for me on the uh, retreat. But I want to talk a little bit about it, and um, like I said, Mickey, Mr. Mickey wants to add. There's a couple things, updates, and all that. Um, she's welcome because uh, this is this is her um, her project, and there's no no more. I mean, think about it, man. She's she's it. Um, well, the theme the theme is breaking the chains that bind you. And let me tell you something about these retreats. Long before I was a minister of the house, a deacon, and maybe somewhere between being an usher and all that, I had my first retreat encounter here. And let me tell you about these encounters. These encounters are mind-boggling. I mean, it's, it's, it's soul-searching. It, it released so much that was in me. It's so much that the enemy wants to prevent you from going to this encounter. I want you guys to understand the importance. I know that some of you are probably saying, you know, this is not for me. I'm just a newbie in the Lord and, you know, new kid on the block. And um, um, I'm not ready. No, this is the time to do this. Amen. This is the time to do this. Trust me because I'm living proof. I, even as a minister, I go to these all the time, all the time, because we haven't arrived yet. And if you think it's a, a problem with finances, we can help with that. Remember, God provides. God is a limitless God. I mean, he provides for all our needs. And you, I, I need you to understand that. So um, basically, the encounter dates, and I know you saw this up there, but sometimes when we repeat something, remember, repetition is the mother of retention. So when we repeat something, and when God repeats something in, in, in his word, it's because we're trying to bring an important point, right? So the encounter date, right? It's Friday, October 25th. Uh, this year, 2019, right, to Sunday 27th of that year. And basically, the whole idea is to establish a deeper, deeper, deeper relationship because, you know, God is not about religion. It's about relationship. Understand that. And, and understand that sometimes we say, well, you know, I pray. So we say, well, we have a relationship with God. Well, that can be true. But sometimes... In those type of prayers, that's why we need to find an isolation booth or somewhere, you know, like a little prayer closet, because there are so many distractions in the world that will try to steal away what God has for you. Understand that, right? So it's, it's about a deeper, deeper thing. And um, there's also the pre-encounter classes that will take place in four consecutive Sundays. Now, these classes are paramount, pivotal, and let's put it this way, mandatory. Whether you're going or not, because even if you're not going, we want everyone here to be on the same spiritual level. Amen. Understand that. Amen. 
It's all about a unified church, and that's one thing we, we, we all have to work on daily and all that. So basically, um, these classes begin Sunday, uh, September 29th, and they end Sunday, October 20th, right? And the classes are going to begin sharply, sharply, 9 o'clock to 10.30, right? And of course, the prices, everyone's asking about the prices, so the prices... Um, it's been established. So, well, see, she's on the ball on that one. Let me give it to her because she knows more about this than I do. Thank you, Minister Cal. God bless you, Calvary. Um, the price has been established. Hello? Okay. You hear me? The price has been established. We considered all things and we looked at um, a lot of different ways of transportation. And the best course of action um, was the bus. Hello? Okay, thank you. Although you can hear me because I got a big mouth. <laughs> the, like Minister Al says, if the issue is finances, just let us know uh, privately and we'll take care of it. We'll, we'll, we'll work it out. We don't want you to not go just because of finances. Um, the, the, the price is $100 per person. But that will include the transportation, and that will include your meals, your breakfast, your lunch, your dinners, your breakfast. Um, and as we get closer to that, we're going to give you more information. Um, so see us at the, at the resource table so that you can sign up. Um, if you start to give some the deposit, $20 or whatever you can give, that will, that will start before you know it. By October 20th, it'll be done, okay? So come and see us. This is a very important event, and it's not a Minister Mickey event. I'm just a facilitator administratively. This is a Calvary event, and this is really something that the pastor is encouraging all of us to be part of. Okay, so thank you. Minister Julio. God bless you guys. Hello there. Hello. Good morning, afternoon. Uh, anyway, real quick, uh, next week, it's our back to school evangelistic potluck outreach. Okay, now, all that, uh, 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 I need to know who coming. Uh, we're going to have some food. We need to know how much food to bring because if we're going to bring food and only six people are coming, a lot of food going to the garbage. So, again, in the back, the resource table, we're going to have a list where you guys can sign. Uh, if you want to pick food, you can sign up for that as well. Uh, again, it's next Saturday. Again, we're going to have an outreach back to school. We're going to have the children. We're going to have book back for the children. Now, I, I know school starts Thursday, and maybe every kid has book back. But in January, that book back, you may need it. And the stuff in it, when you say, oh, I need book, I need a pencil, it may be in that book bag. So again, bring your family. I see that the Umpiel, the Umpiel clan over there. Common Umpiel Bora clan over there. I see them, they, they were sitting in front of me. I mean, that's an outreach. That's an outreach. You guys gotta understand that. And, and, and you know, bring your, bring your family. I mean, everybody has family. That's, that's where you start the evangelistic part of it. It's with your family. You know what I'm saying? Again, I see Sister Celeste. She's sitting next to her brother, Brother Jonathan. Evangelistic outreach. 
That's the outreach. I mean, she does it. She's been doing it every Saturday for the last six, six weeks. And every week you see her, someone's here because she did the evangelistic outreach. So again, Saturday, we're going to be out there evangelizing. We're going to have a prayer table out there. And everybody passes by and needs prayer. Celeste will be in charge of that and may need you to help her pray for some people. Amen. You understand that? I mean, coming to church Sunday, don't just, be, just don't become a domingue. Don't still become a Sunday person. That we, we do church here Wednesdays. We do church here Fridays. We do a lot of Saturdays. And we we're busy almost every Saturday. And, and if your guys are not doing it, then where is the evangelistic part of it? To be home and if your guys are working, praise God. And I'm sorry to be rough, but we need to step it up. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, it's Labor Day, and again, we need to step it up. I mean, it's just straight up. Again, again, I'm not, I'm not making you come Saturday. You'll come Saturday if you want. We're going to be out here Saturday from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Again, a back to school, evangelistic, potluck, outreach. God bless you. Have a great day. And I'll bring up our apostle, Pastor Victor Nasabi. appreciate uh, the instructions you give us, and I love the way you share it with us. Yeah, because we need to hear it that way. Because sometimes when we're too sweet, right, only sweet, only sweet, we, it goes over our head, right? When we go, oh, and we, when we personalize it, it's all beautiful, it's all nice, but are you coming? So, so point to your neighbor and say, are you coming? Are you coming? See, see that, 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 that hits home, right? That, that hits home. Praise God. Let's open the word of the Lord to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 11 through 16. And while we're getting the word, I want to greet Pastor Eileen in North Carolina. They are with us today. So let's all turn around a moment and let's just greet the brethren of North Carolina and just uh, wave got to pray for them because in the next couple of days they're going to yeah. get slammed but we're praying that it that not happen that that may right. like a 90 degree turn and then yeah, like back to the ocean. yeah back back to the ocean yeah back. pray we have to pray for the people of florida yeah. georgia north and south carolina Amen. it seems that it might hit one of those areas Amen. but our prayer is that it turn around completely also uh uh, just, uh, I think uh, Deaconess Vera is also watching, so you could also say hello to her. She really, really wanted to be here, but Vera, don't worry, be patient, It'll be there soon enough. Yeah, she's still healing up, and uh, even the doctors are very surprised in a positive way as to how quick she's healing up, so thank God for that. I also want to thank Sister Celeste uh, and the team uh, for going out there and, and ministering the Word of God and discipling. Uh, evangelizing. I'm very, very grateful for all that they are doing. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through 16. And he himself, talking about the Lord Jesus, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. I'm going to say it again. He himself gave 
was talking about gifts early on. He gave gifts. He gave some and talking about gifts. An apostle is a gift. A prophet is a gift. An evangelist is a gift. Pastors are gifts. Teachers are gifts. For the equipping of the saints. If I stop it there, that's where most people believe it to be true. That they are um, here to equip us. Right? But it doesn't stop there. It says, equips, equip us or equip the saints for the work of ministry. Mm -hmm. We've got it all backwards. We always believe that the pastor is the one that's supposed to do the work. The apostle, the prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher are supposed to do the work. While we come and enjoy and you know, get blessed and get encouraged, get taught, they'll do the work, right? As we uh, blaze, blaze, go in a blaze of glory for Jesus, as we burn out for Jesus. Yeah, many people actually believe that. But yet the scriptures say, and who's, who's more real? Who's right? Is it our mentality, our thinking, or the word? The word says that we're supposed to train you so that you can do the work of ministry. Amen. Amen. So it, it makes us share the load. Amen. Then it says, till we all, rather, for the equipping of the saints of the work, for the work of ministry, for the edifying. Say with me, edifying. Edifying. I wanted you to repeat that because I'm going to talk a little bit about the word edifying. Edifying of the body of Christ. Now it's the whole body. Say to your neighbor, I'm part of the body. But the body is large. It's not just here. We're all over the world. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man. To the measure. Say we mean measure. I also want to talk about that word, measure. Of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So somewhere along the line, we get measured to Christ. Somewhere along the line, we get measured. So, and, and it's the Holy Spirit that measures us. But anyway, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. So it's not the issue that we get tossed and fro, to and fro. The issue is that men use trickery. Men use words, schemes. Men lie and deceive. And the thing is, as we grow up, to the measure and the stature of Christ, we get to discern and see the lies of people. And after a while, we oh my God, I've been lied to all my life. I mean, yeah, it, it can almost get depressing if you don't understand that God is with you and that he wants you to see the lie so that you can know what the truth is. Not so you can get depressed. You're very powerful when you know the truth. That's why the enemy doesn't want you to know the truth. He wants you to be deceived. And he uses men to deceive. And in cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, but instead we're supposed to speak the truth in love. You just, you just heard that. You just heard the truth spoken in love. Amen. Julio just came and spoke to you the truth in love. And sometimes it, it, it might feel like boom, or like, like, it, like a punch in your chest. But sometimes it is. Because it's confronting your mindsets it's, in, it's confronting your idiosyncrasies. It's confronting the lies that you have in your mind that you think are real. Hallelujah. So when truth confronts it, because they love you, they will tell you the truth. But they'll do it because they love you. They won't use the truth to beat you over the head. They'll use the truth 
to ha help you to come into your place of revelation and understanding. Amen. Amen? And so then it says, speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things, into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by that which every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part, say with me, every part. Every part. That means all of us. Every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Wow. So we are partakers of that, of helping each other to grow up. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, Heavenly Father, to open up the eyes of our understanding, that we might know the truth, that we might also be able to discern the error. Lord, so that we might walk in truth. And so that as we walk in truth, we would also see the love of God in the midst of truth. And so that we might share the truth in love. We'll give you the glory for it. Now, Holy Spirit, teach us. Open up the eyes of our understanding. We'll give you the glory. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen and amen. amen. Praise God. You may be seated in the presence of God. Hallelujah. What a wonderful, wonderful word we just read. And I'm a, I'm a building person. I, I've, I've been involved in buildings for many, many years. Uh, ever since I was 18 years old. Started as a doorman. I did porter work. Then I became a handyman. I became a superintendent. became a resident manager. I, I taught in the union, uh, in the union school for many years. So when you talk to me about buildings, I have an idea. I have an idea of what buildings are. And when buildings are being built in the city, you know it because uh, something happens. Uh, they might tear down an, an older building. Because you can't have a new building unless you tear down the older building, right? Yes. And then for a while, you might just have a flat line, a land in a community. Then you see they board it up. Then they put a future, a future picture in front. Yeah. In the year 2024, uh, this building will be in place, this plaza, this commercial property, right? And you look forward to it because you see the eyesore now, but you want that beautiful thing there. Now, you know what I love about it? Uh, they use a principle that's in scripture. You know, uh, write the vision down, make it plain, so that whoever could see it or read it can run with it, right? So they understand the principles of God. Now, they don't obey some of the principles of God, but they obey others. The principles of God are here on earth for the good and for the bad. Gravity works for all of you. It's not just the saints that get held down to the ground. Wouldn't that be interesting if all the sinners are just floating in the air? Oh, man, this, you know, God's not allowing me to work this principle. No, the principles work for the good and bad. It rains on the just and on the unjust. Right? So um, these builders, they understand the principles of vision. And I'm just going to share this briefly so you could be aware that you are the architect of your life to a great extent. Sometimes things happen to you. But most of the time, it's not what happens to you. It's how you respond to what happens to you that makes the difference. Yeah, and so you're, you're mostly the architect. God gives us that opportunity. We are created in the image and likeness of God, right? And, and God speaks things that are not as though they were. Yeah. See, so right. before a thing happens, he tells you the end in the beginning. Yeah. That's, that's how he is. Yeah. But he gives us that same ability. We can actually look at a flat piece of land and put our dream house there before it's ever there. We can sit down with an architect. He says, this is what I'm envisioning. I want three bedrooms. I want this type of kitchen. Uh, and, and it's beautiful because that works in every area of our life. We can envision the dream business that God has for us. 
how we can impact community. What's your passion? What is it that you want to do? What is it you feel compelled to do? What would you do for free, right? And so God gives you the ability to see it finished. And you can actually go into your future, walk in your new business, walk in your new family, walk in your new industry, walk in your ministry in the future and see it all done. And then go back to your present and say, wow, it's time to get to work. <laughs> I need to train. I need to understand how to do these things. God spoke to us about, uh, I want to say two and a half, three years ago. He said, we're going to have a very large internet church. And today, there are people that are watching us live right now. They're not just in our area, but also in North Carolina and other areas. From time to time, we get people from different parts of the world, literally watching and being part of the service live. But the Lord told us that we would have thousands of people as members of our church from all different parts of the world. So when I heard that, I, I understand that when God gives you a word, he's telling you, I want you to dream about this. I want you to see this as if it were finished so you can start preparing yourself for that because that's my will for you. It's my desire for you. And if you would walk with me, I will give you all that you need, step by step, line upon line. God never, how can I say it? God's not into sprinting. He's into marathons. So when he's forming you, he takes his time. We're the ones that like to everything in a rush. Instant coffee, you know, we don't cook anymore. We'll just, you know, microwave stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. In four minutes, I can have a full meal. But, but that thing is loaded with so many, so much sodium and so much junk. You know, I, I mean, uh, Twinkies. If you put Twinkies on the shelf for 25 years, they'll still look like Twinkies. They won't change. They won't get moldy. That's no good. That's no good. So we're in a rush. We want everything in a rush, rush. But every good thing takes time. Every good vision takes time. And so the builders, they understand that. So they sit down. They sit down with the architects. They talk about the budget, how much money they're going to need. Then they go to the bank. And they have nothing. They have no building, but they go to the bank. They sit down. Listen, I want to put a 25-story building. It's going to be beautiful. And they start speaking the specifics to the banker. And the banker listens. I like it. I like it. Tell you what, I will lend you the money to build it. Meanwhile, nothing's there. And they're willing to give. Because money will always go to vision. Vision attracts money. I can't make any money. What's your vision? You got no vision. Because vision attracts. If you don't believe that, how much money did Endgame make? How much money did Thanos make? Come on, come on, come on. You, you, you saw the movie, I know. $325 million? No. No. That broke a billion. For, for, watch this, for a scenario that's not even true. For a two hour and a half enjoyment, entertainment, we paid, the people paid over a billion dollars for something that can't even feed me. I just sat in the movie for two and a half hours maybe. I didn't even like the last one that much. It was too slow. Yeah. At the end, it all, you know, it, 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 there was a crescendo at the end, right? Yeah. But those guys sat down 20 years ago and mapped out what you and I saw just this, I don't know, summer? Yeah. It's been in the works. They've been, they've been purposefully leading the people of the world in a fantasy of people that don't really exist. Does Superman exist? 
Is there a guy over there that, 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 that makes webs and, and, and did you, if you see Spider-Man somewhere, you're taking quaaludes. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist, but yet vision captured the hearts, the minds, and the pockets of an entire nation and an entire world. Now they went around, they, after, I mean, they celebrated when they finished because they knew, they knew that they were gonna make the money because yes. they led us on a vision quest that ended with Endgame. And now they'll do some spin-offs, make, make, make a couple more hundred million, that's all, you know. Amazing, amazing. That's why people of vision will always rise to the top. Because the world is looking for somebody to tell them, what should I do, what should I do? Uh, I'll tell you what you can do. People of vision will always rise to the top. See? But you have to be patient. And in the building industry, I understand. I've opened several buildings. What that means is that, you know when, you, when the building gets built but it's still missing a couple of things? Yes. They bring in the staff first. And we have to, on the inside, while well, nobody's seeing it, put all the numbers on the doors, make sure the carpet is done, make sure all the painting is done, and get ready for the dreaded test. The city comes in, they're going to give you the C of O, the Certificate of Occupancy. If the owner or the sponsor does not get the C of O, he will lose his shirt, his pants, and his socks. So they need that C of O. So what happens is they make sure that the staff is working overtime to make sure that every door closes, that every exit sign is lit. You know? And nowadays, there's a lot of green issues that have to be addressed before building ever opens up. So before they ever start making money, they have invested buku bucks. End, end game, how much money did it cost to make? Like 400, 500 million? So before they ever made a penny, they invested four to 500 million. Yeah, and in the same way, when you see a building up, up there, gorgeous, and right now there's a building. I think it's gonna be the tallest building either in the United States or in the city, and it's a needle. It just goes straight up. I will never go into that building. I, I, if I blow on it, I think it will fall. Yeah, it's so uh, scary. Have you ever been in these brand new buildings when you go to the top? Literally, the building sways. You actually feel it. If you, if you stand still, the building actually moves. It's designed for that, but you ain't gonna catch me up there. Because all it takes is one, and that's it. The twin I did a test one time in the Twin Towers, and I'm doing the test, I'm going, oh man. <laughs> the thing was actually moving. So, but what I'm trying to say is when you look at a building, you're seeing vision. Because buildings just don't show up. You don't just throw a seed in the ground in that plot of land, and the next day there's a building. It's not, that's not the way it works. Different trades have to come in. First is the demolition crew, they come in. Foundation crew, it takes a long time. And then they start the building process, right? And guess what? In every building process, they'll always give you, this is how much, this is the quote, $200 million for the building. It's always wrong. And here's the time we're gonna finish it, two years and a month, it's always wrong. You're always gonna pay more money, and it's always gonna take longer time. You know why? Human nature. Things happen. Say neighbor, things happen. Things happen. 
So you, you know, you got to get over yourself. You're not perfect. You're never going to be perfect. So just understand there are overages that happen. Whenever you're going to do a job, you're going to pay that about $2,000. Always add at least 20%. You'll be safe because you're going to spend the extra 20%. It's just the nature of life. You cut the wrong way. You, you know, oh, man, I, I did 20 sheetrock. I need 35 sheetrock, right? So understand, be, be, be flexible with yourself. Stop beating yourself up. There are going to be overages. And if anybody tries to criticize you, just throw it right back on them. Just say, what is your overage? That's right. And they're going to say, well, they don't even understand what you're saying. But you know what you're saying. <laughs> are you laughing at that or my, you know, my attitude? <laughs> No, no, think about it. Think about it. We have to understand changes happen. Just flow with the change. This didn't work. I'm a failure. No, it just didn't work. So let's try something else. And so when the scripture's talking about building, it's a messy thing. You ever been in a construction site? When you go into a construction site, OSHA makes you wear boots. You have to wear helmets. You have to wear glasses. If you go in there and you don't wear glasses, you get hurt, you can actually sue. The supervisor is supposed to keep you from coming into a place, a construction site. Right? It's messy. Anybody here ever painted? Who here painted and never got themselves painted? They painted on it. Yeah, right. I don't believe that for a minute. It's, it's messy. Have you ever worked with sheetrock? Man, sheetrock is messy. You cut it after a while, and then, then when you sand, it's all over the place. It's funny? It's not funny when you get all that stuff on you. It's funny afterwards. But it's just messy. And, and this is where many people, impatient. When you're mentoring somebody, it's messy. You're going to get into arguments, disagreements. Oh, no, I don't like that church. They, you know, they, they offended me. Get over it, man. Get over it. Get over it. It's messy. Relationships are messy. But that's good. It's just process. Next time you get into an argument, it's just process. It's just process. <laughs> Tony, right? Right, Tony? Next time you guys get into a... It's just it's, it's intense fellowship. That's all it is. Amen. Well, who are you to talk? Me? Nobody. I'm just married 41 years. That's all. I've, I've had some overages. That's why I say these things, because I know exactly what I am talking about. So when, when Paul was saying, he was addressing this, that God sent gifts to the church, these gifts are there to be able to help the edification process. Because in every edification process, there are going to be overages, there are going to be issues, you need wisdom. When you're going to build a building, do not go to the 99 cent store and, and, and just get a, a, you know, a generic drawing. You want to be very case specific. When you're going to draw the build, or rather uh, the picture, you know, where they have the boarded wood, say in the future, this coming, you know, don't get your six-year-old child to draw the building for you, right? You want to put the best picture, because it's so ugly out there, but the picture, we're going, wow, that's going to be beautiful. They're going to focus on the picture and not the mess. What was that? And what happens is when you draw it, you give somebody else the opportunity to see what you already saw. 
See? And if they can see it, they'll join you. He write the vision out, make it plain, that whoever can read it can run with it. And that's probably the greatest problem we have is in writing out the things that we have in our spirit. You know why? Part of the reason why is because we ourselves can't articulate it yet. We haven't seen it clearly yet. That's why you have to be patient with the vision of your life, with the vision of your heart. Because you know, if you don't see it clearly, it's hard to be able to share it with anybody else. But you can get the process started. You can start uh, talking about it. People that appreciate you, people that respect you. You know, and then they could chime in with you, and sometimes a person will say one word, and it'll spark something that was deep inside that you hadn't seen yet. But don't just talk to just anybody, because most people are jealous. Most people, you'll talk to them about something wonderful and great, and, and they'll talk you down. No, oh, that's not going to work out. And especially the ones you expect to have your back, they're the ones that will criticize you the most. Right, bro? That was good, right? That was good. Praise God. No, I'm serious. I've lived that long, I mean, a lot of times. So now I'm careful who I talk to. I'm careful who I share my vision with because most people won't even understand me. And they'll say, that's not going to work. And I say, man, shut up. <laughs> so one word, one word that I see there which really impacts me is the word perfecting. The word perfecting. It says, so that we could be perfected for the equipping of the church, so we could be perfected. The word perfect there is the word edify or equip. When we talk about perfecting, it's not like perfect, perfect. It's the Greek word that means to equip and to prepare somebody. It's the word katartisimos. It means to completely furnish, to give everything a person needs so that they could properly grow. It means to prepare fully. Not just start the work, finish it. Have you ever seen a building that just, just gets half done? And then it just stays there? Yeah. I've seen that. I, I've, I've gone to Florida for years. And every time I'm going Route 4, I always see the same building. That they built most of it, and then it's just there. And there's a sad story about there were some issues there. They ran out of money. They went bankrupt. And the building's just been there, mostly done, but not finished. That's a sad thing. When God is saying to us, he wants us perfected, what he is saying is he wants us properly equipped. So apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and the teams. It's not just them, it's the teams also. Our job is to complete the work. Not just to start, but to complete it. There are two issues to that. Number one, you have to have a teacher and instructor. And number two, you have to, be, you have, to have a student that's willing to stay the course. Amen. Now the problem is most people aren't willing to stay the course. Most people, they'll allow life to hit them, slap them, and especially in the spiritual arena. When you're growing in the Lord, the enemy will come at you. When you're wanting to grow in God, I'm guaranteeing you. Whoever told you, oh, you come to Jesus, all your problems will go away, wrong. The minute you come to Jesus, the enemy will attack you because he wants to deceive you. He does not want you to be a full disciple. He does not want you to complete the work because then you become dangerous then you become a discipler yourself. Then you come up and, and you look like Jesus versus yourself. And by that I mean the, the, the love of Jesus starts reflecting through you. Amen. Amen. But you will have battles. The enemy will come at you, he'll speak in your ear. You hear from different sources. You hear from your own flesh, from your heart. You hear from God, but you also hear from the devil. So we have to learn to, the difference. What, what voice is speaking to you? 
So when we are equipping people, our job is to complete the work, not to just you know, give you two months and you're gone. No, complete it until they grow up in Christ. And all of this is for the work of ministry. You're not complete until you're doing something. Many people in the church, sit there, go home. Sit there, go home. But when you start doing something in the kingdom of God, when you start feeling a passion in some area, that's when you're really um, experiencing true growth. And that's when you start pleasing God. It's not just enough to know something. We have to do something. So he wants us to prepare for the work of ministry. Then it says, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And that's the word I was talking about before, edifying. The word, the Greek word edify is an architecture, structure. It's a building, but it's also the church as a spiritual building. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Have you ever seen arches made of stone? The, the trickiest stone to get is the one in the center. That one holds the rest of them together. You take the center stone, Everything else falls. Yeah. Jesus is our cornerstone. Other, other times you see a building, as you're walking by, you see one specific stone that has writing on it. That's also a cornerstone. Yeah, the, date. the date that it was, uh, I guess, either built or the date it was opened. Yeah. Opened in 1994 or 1975. Some of our pre-war buildings, 1926. Mm -hmm. Cornerstone. <coughs> These are very important. So as we're edifying, the Bible says that we are being strengthened. But that word, edifying, has a connotation of progress. Say with me, progress. 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 So God wants progress in his people. He doesn't want us to stay the same. How you doing? Ah, same old, same old. No, we have to progress. Yes. Every year you should be getting better. You should know more. You should be stronger. Every year you should know more about God. You should have more verses memorized. Every year you should say, yeah, uh, I had a fight with the enemy, but I overcame this, I overcame that, and I'm still here, and I'm still growing. Amen? Amen. In all building, in all building, there are going to be rough patches. You're going to have rough patches. The enemy's going to come at you. Sometimes you go through the dark night of the soul, and what that means is that the enemy comes at you from every angle, and you, you, you feel at the moment you have no way out. What in the world is going on? I have to assure you that even in the dark moments of your soul, God is right there with you. Amen. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. The enemy just tries to create an atmosphere or an environment where you think there's no hope. The devil is a liar. There is always hope in God. Amen. And not for nothing, the devil is a created being. God is all-powerful. He was, is, and always will be. So it's not even a fight. So whenever the enemy comes at you, Almighty God, your Heavenly Father, has your back. Hallelujah. And the greater one lives and resides within you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you'll also notice that when you see edification of buildings, you always see different staffs. You have this staff for a certain season, that staff for next season. Same way in church. When you first come to the church, your bestie might be brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, right? But then six months later, somebody else might take you on. And sometimes, you know, the person that's there won't be there tomorrow. Maybe they retired. Maybe they moved to another country, whatever. You know, you know, maybe they have another ministry, so they went elsewhere. 
But God will always have somebody for you to help mentor you. And in the edification process, sometimes there's a change in staff. Sometimes staff is fired. See, in, in, in the spiritual arena, sometimes God will move somebody away from you because the season is over. Right? Sometimes God will fire somebody because they're doing a horrible job. And you'll wonder, what in the world is going on? Isn't this a church? Um, you know, church is not perfect. We, ne- we really need to stop that. Oh, and it's a church. <laughs> what are you saying with that? It's people. Same problems you have in a job, you're going to have in a church. Right. Same problems you have in a church, you'll have in government. You're going to have it anywhere. Right. Yeah, but they're highly trained. They're still human. That's right. Some of the most trained people are in prison right now. That's right. We're human. There will always be issues. So we have to understand, when we are asking God to help us, He's going to send you mentors. He's going to send you sometimes maybe a Barnabas. Barnabas in the scripture was a loving person. Very humble. Wealthy man, but he was humble. And he was like your friend. And if you were in a bad bad moment, he'd be right there with you. He's an encourager. Oh, some of you know that, right? Excellent. But then sometimes God will send you a Paul. Paul was no nonsense. Paul's middle name was Julio. Yeah. Some of you will get that Wednesday. Well, you know, the, the book of Mark, that's a great book, inspired by Holy Ghost. The man of God wrote it. John Mark, when he was young, he walked with Paul. And God kicked him, I mean, sorry, Paul kicked him to the curb. I can't work with this guy. And Barnabas took him. He said, no, Paul, uh, uh, John Mark, come with me. And John Mark mentored him. But Paul wasn't, no, I got to do the work of God. I have no time for this guy. And yet later on, you see in another epistle where he's saying, send me John Mark. He's useful to me. Because John Mark had obviously grown under the other mentors. And sometimes God will send you a Paul. Won't let you get away with anything. God, where is your love? Right there. You need that in that season. We have a word in Spanish. I don't know if it's in the dictionary, but I don't know. I, in, in my house, they, they used to use it. It's called ñoño. Soft. You know, anything messy, they push you and you fall. Ñoño. Have you ever heard that one? Or is it just the Nazareth? Yeah. And there are many of us, you know, God will give us a little discipline because he loves us. Because all kids need discipline. Right? Hello? How many here were a kid once? (laughs) Well, need that. But there are times when God has to give us some strong discipline so he could come out of some things that are, are deeply inculcated. I remember my daughter Natalie, she just didn't want to sleep. Every night, didn't want to sleep. So one night, I went to the crib, and ah, I put her down. She got up, ah, she was very defiant. So I said, okay, this is it. Tonight, this, this is gone. So I put her down, and I slapped her, like that. You know, yep. She got up, ah, put her down. So that went around like about 10 times. And then 10 times she's laying there, she's looking at me. 
and she didn't get back up, and she went to sleep. And the next day, guess what? She went to sleep. And the next day, she went to sleep. She never did it again. I took that ñoñera right out of her. I'm teaching you some new words. Ñoñería, right? I don't know. We all say we have our own pet words. But the truth is sometimes God has got to bring you correction in such a way that it'll be clear. This can't continue in my life. It's going to destroy me. So God is building us up. Discipling is part of that. There are people in the church that will offend you, but they'll offend you for your own good. Because they're not really offending you. They're offending a false notion. Like if you're always coming late to a place and somebody in the body of, body of Christ tells you, you know, you're always late. You've got to correct that. You're going to get offended because you're so used to it that it's your normal. But yet, from, from the experience point of view, it's not normal. So somebody's got to tell you. And so when they tell you, it'll offend what? The false notion. And this is where we have to check our offense. Because most of the time when you're offended, what's actually offended is a false mindset. That's really no good for you. Because the Bible says, people of wisdom take counsel. Fools refuse and reject counsel. I got no amen. amen. I lost you right there. But that's true. Because when you take counsel, you'll realize, is that, I, I don't see that. Here's our issue. We don't see it in us. We just don't see it. But an experienced eye will see it. And if you give them opportunity to speak into your life, you'll grow. Because then you'll see something you hadn't seen before. Hallelujah. Isn't it terrible that you're the last one to see something wrong on you? Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's happened to me sometimes. I've, I've told you before. I'll say it again because maybe we have some people that haven't heard it. I remember one time I was pastoring already. You know me. I've always been a huggy kind of guy. I'm hugging the brethren. Hey, I, I hug my brother. God bless you, my brother. He goes, Pastor, you know I love you, right? I said, yeah, man. Amen. Praise God. I love you too. He said, good, good. I, I'm telling you this in love. Like, amen, amen. So you got bad breath, man. <laughs> I went and prayed. I mean, I stopped hugging people. <laughs> but I didn't know it. You're usually the last one to know. And, and the fact is, most people won't tell you. You know, why is everybody avoiding me? It's because of all the garlic you ate and that, that dinner. That, you know, you're reeking of that stuff. But that was love. I appreciated that. From that moment on, that's it, man. You're, you're not going to catch me without one of these. The anointing and some gum. I want to be a blessing to people. If people, uh, if I pray for somebody and fall out, I want them to fall out in the Holy Ghost. I don't want to. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. I know you guys never experienced that. That was only my issue. And then it says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Amen. Now, unity is a very interesting word because unity means we're working together. It really doesn't mean uh, that we are a clone. What it means, in another version, it says that the work must continue until we're all joined together in what we believe in. 
and what we know about the Son of God. So what you're going to do is different from what I do, but that's okay. We can work toward building the building together. You've got the carpenters, you've got the painters, you have the plumbers, you have the electricians, each one doing their part, but since they're working toward unity, they have a common goal, right? Yes, yes. You achieve the building process. Some of you will do Sunday school, some of you will do evangelism, some of you will, will teach, some of you will you know, lead in worship, some of you will administrate. There are gifts in the body of Christ, gifts of administration. There's gifts of giving. There, there are people that are gifted to give. They make so much money, and God said, okay, now send 10,000 over here to that missionary. So, yes, sir, write a check and give it to them. They're anointed to do that. Amen. Praise God. So don't ask for that anointing unless you're ready to be generous. Yeah, because God will call you on it. There are people that have written million-dollar checks for ministries. But that's their anointing. They're gifted. And God will tell them, okay, now, you gave that. Now, I want you to open up this business, and you're going to make 100 million on it. And take 50 million and give it to the, the, the missions over here, and buy this over here, and buy a home for the poor over here. Yeah, that's how, God works with some people that way. It's the same anointing, but different responsibilities. Hallelujah. Amen. Who has that anointing? I want to talk to you this afternoon. <laughs> Praise God. Jose and I are smiling. So unity. Unity is, is oneness, but it's not that we're clones. We all have different abilities. So it's one accord. It's conti continuity without deviation or change. Now, let me get to that word measure. When we come up to the measure of the Son of God. The word measure is the Greek word metron. Me have you ever seen a metron? Yeah. It's measuring, measuring beats. But it's also ruler, right? And this word in the Greek is a graduated rod or a rule for measuring. And of course, obviously, it's a limited portion or degree. I don't have to be all people. My measure is not your measure. Amen. So you need to feel comfortable from this moment forward. Say to your neighbor, I need to be comfortable. I need to be myself. I see, so we need to measure ourselves the way God created us versus the way other people are measuring us. Everybody has an opinion about you, but nobody knows you like God knows you. And there's a Holy Spirit measure of the way you are called to be and what you are called to do. See, it's a predetermined and measured portion. My portion is different from your portion. So we need to seek God for our portion. And I can get some advice, but I'm not going to let anybody else dictate to me who God called me to be. Hallelujah. So we need to understand. The ones that are doing the mentoring, we need to understand and ask you questions. What's your passion? What do you feel passionate about? What do you see? What has God shown you? Has God given you any dreams? You know, has, has God spoken to you? Do you have a prophetic word that God gave you? Or maybe God might give us a prophetic word to help you along. But ultimately, you have to define that. You and God in your prayer time and the times of fasting, times of seeking God, God will give you your measure. Yes, and so when you're being measured by Holy Ghost, he will never measure you the way he measures that other person. There are some people that God will use them to save 20 people or to mentor 20 people. But maybe you have a greater a capacity and you mentor 200. So if you mentor 200 and that guy mentors 20, God will say to both of you, good and faithful servant. Amen. Because he created him one way and he created the other one the other way. I cannot compare myself to T.D. Jakes. Because I'm not T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes' measure is different than mine. 
His capacity is different than mine because God, God creates us as vessels, but different vessels have different responsibilities. Yes, Hallelujah. And by the way, we're all cracked vessels. In other words, we all have issues, idiosyncrasies. There was this one gentleman, he, he, God showed him a vision, and he had two vessels of water. So one vessel was perfect, and the other vessel um, was, it had like a little crack in it. So he would go to the reservoir and go get water so he could water the garden down there, maybe about a quarter mile away. But what would happen is, is by the time he got there, this cracked vessel only had like a quarter full. The other one had, was completely full. So he was able to water the garden, go back and do the same thing. And so after a while, he felt so disappointed. He says, God, you know, I have these two vessels, but this one is perfect, but this one is all messed up. He says, yeah, but my son, you missed out on what the cracked vessel is doing. As you're walking that place, as the water yeah. bled out of that vessel, yeah. you saw new flowers form, yes. new trees and shrubs form in the process of it. And so God will even use your imperfection in places where you didn't even realize. You had your own notion about what you were going to do, and yet later on you look back in your life and say, oh my God, where did this come from? How in the world did God do that? It's because God knows how to use your idiosyncrasies, your uniqueness, your, your tendencies, your, your character, your nature. So, so never again look at yourself and say, man, what a mess I am. I, I can't do anything. No, you, God has anointed you, gifted you. You're just different than the other person. So don't measure yourself up against other people. Measure yourself up against Christ because he's the one that formed you and he's the one that is giving you the gift of, of ministry, the gift of you know, the uniqueness that you are. Praise God. Hallelujah. Each of us have a predetermined authority. Even Paul said it. Paul said, I, I speak to you because I have authority in your life. You're my sons in, in, in Christ. But I do not speak as one that has authority uh, above and beyond this. He knew that he had a sphere of influence. So we have a sphere of influence. Somewhere there's a people that will appreciate you. Somewhere there's a place that will appreciate you. A job that will appreciate you. A business that will appreciate you. A ministry that will appreciate you. A church that will appreciate you. By the way, in this church, we appreciate you. <laughs> and we do. But you'll always find a place because God knit you somewhere. There's a place where you'll be rooted in. There's also a gifting that you have that nobody else has. It's unique. And as you share it, you'll glorify God in your own gifting. There's a character. God made you in a certain way. Years ago, I didn't like the way I speak. I didn't like it. I didn't like the way I inflect. And I like my nature, my character. I like the other ones that were finished and polished. Yeah, I remember that. And I'll never forget that. And, and God had to deal with me that way. You know, he, he had to say, son, I made you that way. He had to send people, literally, to speak the word of the Lord over me. He says, I made you that way. You need to understand that there are going to be a people that are going to listen to you. There are going to be a people that are going to receive you. Hallelujah. I said, thank you, Lord. Yeah. I was convinced in my mind that I was so flawed, nobody would listen to me. And today, while I don't celebrate, well, I'm a pastor now and people listen to me. No, I don't celebrate that. I give, I give God thanks yes. for his grace yes. that I'm useful in the kingdom. Yes, Amen? Yes, Praise God. Thank you, Lord. It blows me away. My voice now is being heard on radio. Yes. And at one point I told God, I don't want any of it. Take this away from me. And God had mercy on me. 
For about six months, nothing happened. All the doors closed. Nothing happened for me. Then I heard this gentleman. God spoke to him um, and, and, and rebuked him. He was a prophet. And it, while he's in the church one day, he's preaching, and he turns around to the worship team. He says, there's sin, and you guys need to deal with it. And at the end of the service, the pastor came up and said, don't you ever do that to my people again. That was embarrassing. And so he got intimidated. And the next couple of weeks, he would, hear, he would not hear God anymore, no prophetic word. And he would hear God every day. He would get nothing. He said, God, what's happening? He fasted and prayed and sought God. And one day, he said, but what's happening, God? I, I need to hear your voice. God told him, my son, that day when that pastor reprimanded you, you allowed him to take you away from your place of authority. So you're now out of your authority, and I cannot work with you until you get back to your authority. So he repented right there, asked God for forgiveness, and says, okay, I don't care from now on, even if people don't like me, when I share the word of the Lord, I'm still going to share the word of the Lord. So, so I'm, I'm listening to that. I said, oh, my God. And then God says, that's you. Because a similar thing had happened to me. Not with a prophesying thing, but they, they brought me on radio. And I sat there with a huge boom mic like this. And for the first time, I was among others. And I was so intimidated. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you the whole story. But I remember that day, I blanked out. Yeah. It was a two-hour radio program. And I, I don't remember anything I said. That's how intimidated I was. So I walked out of there totally defeated. And I was thinking, oh my God, all of Calvary is listening to this. All my family, my friends are listening to this. Que disparate, yo dije. What disparate, the word disparate is a Spanish word for, what nonsense did I say? And I walked away defeated. I said, God, I don't want this. Please shut the door. And God did, he shut the door. After six months, I read this thing, and I hear the testimony of this prophet, and God says, that's you. You're out of your authority. I said, oh, God, forgive me. And I, and I got on my knees. I said, God, I don't care how I sound. I don't care if I made 50,000 mistakes. I'm just going to be who you called me to be. I'm not going to worry anymore. And, and Almighty God had grace on me. And he said, okay. The doors opened up immediately. And I, I had one of the greatest seasons. Uh, they, they even hired me. A, 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 a national company hired me to tour the nation. Put me on planes. I'm going back and forth and teaching and sharing. Awesome. But I had to repent. That's right. yeah. Repent of what? Of devaluing who God made me to be. And today some of you need to repent. Because you're looking at yourself as less than. When God says, I made you a masterpiece. Remember a couple of weeks ago? You are a master. You're God's masterpiece. You're, you're God's work of art. And here you are speaking down on that which God spoke up about. God spoke masterpiece. He called it masterpiece. You're saying, I'm a mess. I'm nothing. I'm useless. Don't ever say that again about yourself. Praise God. As we measure up, and I'm starting to close now, we'll act like adults instead of children. We'll become people of the book instead of people of emotions. We'll become um, people who are not easily tossed to and fro by every belief system. And believe you me, there are belief systems every single month popping up. You need to know your solid substratum, your, your solid foundation. Because things are going to come and go. What was cool 20 years ago is not cool anymore. Now some new cool stuff. 
And they're teaching now in school some crazy, insane things. That if you don't know the word of God, it'll toss you to and fro. We'll become discerning and clearly see the tricks and schemes of the enemy and shut it down. And we'll speak truth in love with each other. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So you, are you ready to speak truth in love? Yes. Because speaking truth in love is going to reveal who God is to all those around you. Yes. But also it's going to separate the ungodly or the prideful because they will not tolerate the truth. So you lose some friends if you speak the truth in love. But were they really your friends? And number three, it'll cause everyone in the body of Christ to begin to mature in their walk with God. Are you ready to hear the truth? And then it'll cause us to grow up in all things. Not just some things. Wonderful thing about truth is it impacts every area of your life. Truth will impact your spiritual life. It'll impact your personal life. It'll impact your habits. Truth will impact your job, your business. It'll impact your relationships. It'll impact every single area. Walking in truth, in love, will confront the false notions, the sin nature, but it will help you to grow. It'll help you to grow. And Galatians 5, 5, 6, the important thing is that we work faith through love. So everything we're doing, I have to see you in love. So when I look at you, my brother, Love you. And it's not like a, you know, love you, New York, you know, the rockers. That's not love. The love is, I pray for him. The love is, I respect him, I honor him. I honor his uniqueness. Looks different from me, but he's my brother. My sister in Christ. Different than me, but I love them. Honor them. Honor their distinctives, their uniqueness, right? We're building together, the Bible says. So therefore, I can't do this on my own. I need you. I need you. I need you. Because we can't get the building done. You can't do it just with carpenters. You need bricklayers. You need, to, you need people that know how to go to Washington, D.C. or to New York City and, and get the correct paperwork. Because if you don't have paperwork, the, constru the construction company can't come in and do the work. They'll stop them. The inspectors will stop them. And there's some people in the body of Christ that you know administration. And you're no nonsense. Administrators are no nonsense. You, you, you can't do this here. Oh, well, where's the love? That is love. Yeah, go, go, go and try to build in a community without first getting the proper per permits. Watch how quick they shut you down. Not only will they shut you down, but they will also charge you money, penalties. In the body of Christ, we have many, many different giftings. I need the, the administrators. Otherwise, I can't get the building done. I need the carpenters, the plumbers, the painters. In the body of Christ, we need the ushers, the deacons, the ministers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. We need the gifts of administration. We need those guys with the gifts of giving. Yeah, because otherwise you can't pay the bills. We need those that have a passion for the souls who can go out there and, and, you know, challenge everybody. Love on everybody. Word of the Lord comes upon you, bam, get person saved right in the street corner. Drinking booze one day, next day in the church, praising God. Filled with the Holy Ghost instead of filled with booze. Right? We need this generation. Strong. Faithful. 
your generation. Necessary. You, you're taking it all. You're taking over. All we can do is pass the baton. That's what, you know, we, that's what we do. The older generation, we get the baton ready, put as much in the baton, and pass it on to your generation so you guys can take it to the next level. Because you have an anointing to take it to the next level. What I can't do, you will do. Right? What I can't do, you will do. You will do. You will do. Praise God. But at least I can do something. I'm useful. One of the greatest sins is a person that refuses to do anything. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus spoke about a parable. He says he gave three guys money. He says, now go trade. I'm coming back, and I want my money when I get back, right? And when he came back, he had given a guy five talents. Talent was coins, worth a lot of money because it was gold. Now a, a, a talent is about $130,000 to $150,000. So he gave one guy five. And the guy says, here are your talents, plus I did some trading, and I gave you five more talents. He said, good and faithful servant. Come, I'm going to have you enter into my joy. But then there was one guy that had two talents, and he multiplied it to four. It wasn't as much as the other guy, but he multiplied it to four. He said the same exact thing to him. He said, good and faithful servant, enter into my joy. But the one guy he gave one to, he hid it. He didn't do anything with it. He refused to do anything with it. And you know what Jesus said? You wicked and lazy servant. You could have put that in the bank. It would have gave me some interest. And the point, look, look at the point here. He gave one guy five. He gave one guy two. He gave one guy one. He saw their capacity. He never criticized their capacity. He valued all three of them. The only thing he criticized was when they refused to utilize what God had made them to be. Hallelujah. So let's stand. Let's bow our heads. Let's, let's close our eyes. Let's meditate. This is a time of ministry. God wants to, what? God wants to break something. Glory. Hallelujah. God wants to break a limit. God wants Thank to break the hindrance because there's a lot of work that needs to happen in the kingdom of God, especially in these days. So let's listen to this as, as we meditate. So this is my prayer before the Lord, and I sing it in a song form, and it is for the body, and I sing this before you, Father. I don't want to live to please myself. Lord, I don't want to live for me and no one else that I make room for your love. Make room for you. I give myself away so that you be glorified. May they see you in me and testify of the love that lives inside of me. Oh, Lord, teach me how to love like you love. Teach me how to serve like you serve. Teach me how to pray and obey. 
forgive and let go. Teach me how to really love like you love me. Let's love one another as you love yourself. Serving each other. Let love be felt that I may own no one nothing but the dead to love. Come on, sisters and brothers, let's love one another for God is love. Let's love one another as you love yourself. Serving each other, let love be that I may owe no one nothing but the dead to love. Come on, sisters and brothers, let's love one another, for God is love. Come on, sisters and brothers, Let's love one another, for God is love. Come on, sisters and brothers, let's love one another, for God is love. Amen. Father, I pray for your people today. You have been so precious to us all of our lives, but even today, your presence is so sweet and your grace is so palpable. I thank you, Father, that you have brought us to this place called today. Now, Father, I pray that you would open up the eyes of the understanding of your people. And as your word has challenged us in our uniqueness, I pray that they would clearly see the areas that they have to lay at your feet the things that they need to release and the things that they need to embrace in this season. Father, thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for the gifts that are in the body of Christ. Thank you that you've made us all to be a gift in one way, shape, or another. We're, we're all precious. We're all unique. We're all needed in the body. So Lord, I break right now the power of any words spoken in the past that have brought that have brought any limit, hindrance, any disappointment, any wrong view of themselves, Lord God. I break that notion. Any vision that they've received that is not your vision, Father, we break it in the name of Jesus. We cancel it. And we loose right now your anointing to open the eyes of their understanding. Father, let them see who they are in you today. 
Let them see the lies of the enemy, that they might see it clearly, that they might be able to reject it, that they might be able to renounce it. Some of you need to renounce who you have believed to be. Today you have to say, I renounce what I thought I was. I embrace who God called me to be. Because in Christ, all things are new. And, and God wants you to start walking in that newness of life. One of the greatest sins is for us to reject the capacity of God in our lives. And to say, he can't do anything with me. We see that in the Old Testament. There was a whole generation that didn't enter their inheritance. Not because it wasn't God's will. It was God's will for them to enter. They just rejected God. They rejected his, his capacity to be able to, to allow them to walk in. Allow them to overcome any enemy, any giant. And so this is your moment. Will you accept Almighty God's capacity to be able to cause that dream to come alive? For you to be who God called you to be? Or have you idolized the, the curse? Have you idolized the words that have come upon you in the past by somebody? Have you taken that, made it higher? Have you exalted that over God's ability? Today we need to repent and reestablish God in the throne. Any idol, get rid of them. And some idols are not pieces of clay or pieces of plaster painted to, to look like some. Some idols are words. Some idols are offense that we have kept in our heart. And we have said, no, this is going to be strength to me. And Father, I break the victimhood spirit right now. I break it. I cancel it in the name of Jesus. I say they will not be victims anymore. That from this moment on, they will be conquerors. They will walk as conquerors. They will work. They will walk as the anointed of the Lord. Hallelujah. So if that's you, accept it right now. Reject and renounce anything and everything that the enemy has sent your way. That maybe a family member said. Maybe a past failure. And you have exalted that. I cancel it now in the name of Jesus. This is a new season. It's a new day. And I don't know if you know this. But this month is a new year. The old calendar. This is the new year. And God is saying I have a new season for you. You're coming into a new season God says. You're walking into a new season. The old things have passed. I have washed you. I no longer see that which you see. I, I, I forget that. I cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. I see you as a new creation. So embrace, embrace what God has shown you in your spirit, man. Embrace who you are in Christ. Hallelujah. Father, we declare it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We give you the glory for it. Amen. Praise God. Who receives that today? Amen. I receive it too. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me dismiss you, but let me tell you, you need to make warfare with this. You really do. You need to come at the enemy and say, no, I know who I am from this moment on. You're no longer going to determine who I am. I know who I am in Christ. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. 
Because at the end of your acceptance, at the end of you receiving the truth of God, there's now an anointing that will begin to flow in you. And it hasn't flowed because you've been battling. But on the other side of that is your anointing, a free anointing that will flow. It will flow freely, rather, because you embrace who you are in Christ. Close your eyes. Father, I dismiss your people. But Father, I pray that you would grant them a revelation, that they would see it and get back to the word. And Lord, that they might be able to understand that they're coming into a new season, a new opportunity. That you're taking the scales from their eyes that they might be able to clearly see. Father, we'll give you the glory for it, my God. As they go to their homes, as they go to fellowship with their families, I just pray that this word will continue to reverberate within them continue to speak to them and continue to show them the uniqueness that they are we thank you for it. now i dismiss your people giving you all the glory the honor and the praise in the awesome and majestic name of our lord of lords king of kings jesus christ amen and amen god bless you all remember you are blessed and you are highly favored praise god love you